Sure. Amen. If you have your Bibles, we're in James chapter 2, verses 1 to 13. I'm going to be in a different translation than the normal King James. It'll sound a little different, but it's going to be on the screen. So you're able to follow along with the version that I'm reading. And if you're in traditional King James, we're going to end up in the same place. Would you stand please for the reading of God's Word? James chapter 2. We are continuing with our series today in James. James 2, verses 1, and it's on the screen. It should be anyway. My brothers, as believers in our glorious Lord Jesus Christ, don't show favoritism. Suppose a man comes into your meeting wearing a gold ring and fine clothes, and a poor man in shabby clothes also comes in. If you show special attention to the man wearing fine clothes and say, here's a good seat for you, but say to the poor man, you stand there. Or sit on the floor by my feet. Have you not discriminated among yourselves and become judges with evil thoughts? Listen, my dear brothers. Has not God chosen those who are poor in the eyes of the world to be rich in faith and to inherit the kingdom he promised those who love him? But you have insulted the poor. Is it not the rich who are exploiting you? Are they not the ones who are dragging you into court? Are they not the ones who are slandering the noble name of him to whom you belong? If you really keep the royal law found in Scripture, love your neighbor as yourself, you are doing right. But if you show favoritism, you sin and are convicted by the law as lawbreakers. For whoever keeps the whole law and yet stumbles just one point is guilty of breaking all of it. For he who said, do not commit adultery, also said, do not murder. If you do not commit adultery but do commit murder, you have become a lawbreaker. Speak and act as those who are going to be judged by the law that gives freedom, because judgment without mercy will be shown to anyone who has not been merciful. Mercy triumphs over judgment. Amen. You can be seated. I want you to look at the command that's given for us in this scripture which is simply don't play favorites. But it's focused on verse number 1, and I want to give a little background information before we get into this deeply. Verse number 1, My brothers, as believers in our glorious Lord Jesus Christ, don't show favoritism. The first thing I want you to know is that the book of James is, according to most experts, the earliest book of the New Testament written. It was written before Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. It was written before Acts. This is the earliest book that we have of the New Testament. This is important because if you look at the way that's, that this first verse is worded, our glorious Lord Jesus Christ. Do you see that? Ladies and gentlemen, how many of you have ever heard of the movie Da Vinci Code or the book, or, or the book Da Vinci Code, that evil movie, that evil book? In that, uh, in that particular series, 
some, some of those people try to claim that Jesus was just a man, an ordinary man who lived on the earth, and it wasn't until one of those religious councils later on where the Roman Catholic bishops got together that they made Jesus a God, that they made him Christ. Ladies and gentlemen, I'm here to tell you this book was written far before any of those councils. This is the earliest book of the New Testament. Let, notice what these Christians are saying early after the life of Christ. My brothers as believers on our glorious Lord Jesus Christ. Do you hear that? Jesus wasn't made a God by some council somewhere. Jesus was born in Bethlehem and he was God the day he was born. Amen. Because Jesus always has been, he is, and he always will be. He has been and always will be God. We didn't make him God, he is God. And by the way, he doesn't really care if you believe it or not. If you choose not to believe it, you can suffer the consequences of that disbelief. But ladies and gentlemen, he is who he says he is. He's God. Notice also in this first verse, it says our glorious Lord Jesus Christ. I want to emphasize the word glorious for just a minute in this translation. The word glorious here in the Jewish tradition would be known as a special word, and that word is Shekinah. How many of you have ever heard of the Shekinah glory of God? He's talking about that special glory that, that God exhibits when he's in the presence of everyone, that special glory that only belongs to God. I've heard many preachers pray, Lord, we want the Shekinah glory of the presence of the Spirit with us in this service. We, it, it is what the Jewish priests sought for when they would go into the temple, when they would have the presence of God. They wanted that Shekinah glory to be there. It's what Moses sought for whenever God said, you can't look at me in my face, because if you look at me in my face, you're going to die. You can't, you, you can't take it as a human being to experience the full glory of God. You can only take a little bit of it. But then Moses got that little bit. This morning, you want to know what I want? I want that little bit. I want to experience that little bit of Shekinah glory of our Lord. That being said, notice what the command of chapter 2, verse number 1 is. My brothers, as believers in our glorious Lord Jesus Christ, don't show favoritism or respect of persons. All right? So we don't show favoritism. The word favoritism in the Greek here is only used four times in the New Testament. Only four times. This is one of the four. The other three times it was used, it is only used in reference to God. One example of this is Romans 2.11, for God does not show favoritism. My God, the God that I serve, is not a respecter of persons. He does not show favoritism. He loves the whole world. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever believes in him should not perish. Whosoever, everybody who believes in him should not perish, but have everlasting or have eternal life. God is not a respecter of persons. His grace is abundant for everyone. Amen? So three of the four times, God says, I don't respect your position or who you are. Grace is for everybody. Love is for everybody. It's for the entire world. He's chosen to love the world. And now, if we really want the Shekinah glory of God in our lives, if we want that little bit we talked about, ladies and gentlemen, in this verse, he says, don't show favoritism. He's saying to us, we are to act like he acts. We are not to show respect to persons. We are not supposed to be differentiating between the rich and the poor, the black or the white, or anything else. We are supposed to love 
everyone, all the time. We were talking in Sunday school. Have you ever had those people you can't hardly stand? Those people that, <laughs> yeah, as the, we were talking about the word hatred uh, in our Galatians study. Have you ever had those people that you hate? And, I, you know, sometimes you have to choose love anyway. Because God does not show favoritism. He chose to love the whole world. He expects the same thing of us, that we love everybody all the time. He then gives us an illustration. I want you to notice the illustration in verse number 2. He says, Suppose a man comes into your meeting wearing a gold ring and fine clothes, and a poor man in shabby clothes also comes in. Ladies and gentlemen, he's trying to differentiate between the rich and the poor. I want you to notice the descriptive language of the rich. He says the rich man wears fine clothes. If you're wondering, this is a cheap suit because I'm poor. All right? He wears fine clothes. This tie's about 20 years old, by the way, if you're wondering. It's cheap too. All right? So, fine clothes, and he wears a gold ring. I have one of those. Ladies and gentlemen, Seneca, who was a Roman statesman back in the day, said we adorn our fingers with rings and distribute gems over every joint. The rich people would walk by with their diamonds and rubies and so on, and people would look at them because they didn't have the rubies and the diamonds and so on. I want to show a hands in here today. How many of you own at least one diamond? Well, we can't use that standard much anymore, can we? Because if I ask you who in the room has diamonds, except for kids, most of us have at least one, right? I got 16 right there. All right? Uh, so most of us have diamonds to some degree. You ever seen Brother Larry's wedding band? He has three. Uh, you do, don't you? <laughs> he said, going, do I have any diamonds? Yes, he does. <laughs> I've seen his wedding band. He has three of them. Most of us have some sort of diamond. So we, so we can't use that standard anymore. Can I, I want to tell you a story. I have a friend whose name is Ethan. Ethan is a former math teacher. He only taught for one year. But he is a, uh, he's a Chinese guy. His, first name, his real first name is Ting. But, he go, but, 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 but his American name is Ethan. And he is a multimillionaire. He owns 50-some rental properties that uh, most of them are for Air, Airbnb. He also has some long-term rentals. He also have, has five commercial properties that he rents out to restaurants and so on. So let's just suffice it to say, Ethan does not have a money flow problem, okay? He has mega millions of dollars. Now, Ethan is not one of those haughty people who tries to show, you know, snubbery and so on, I'm better than you are. That's not his personality. He's just a regular guy. All right. That's why he and I became friends. He taught in the classroom across from me. He and I became friends. We've been, we, are, we are friends of this day. He's a good guy. However, you have to ask the question, what does this regular guy do with millions of dollars? He invests in two things. He likes his computer gaming system, and he has a magnificent computer gaming system. I don't want to get into all that. Let's just suffice it to say I can't afford the three big screen TVs he uses as monitors in that room and so on. Uh, yeah, he's got the master setup. But most of you would not envy that because you're not into that type of thing. But let me tell you what else. He invests his money in cars. Would you put up the car pick for me, please? Those are two of his cars. 
In the upper left-hand corner is a Rolls Royce. All right? Now, he just got that one, but the, other, but, but the last Rolls Royce that he had is, almost, is, is very similar to it. I picked me up for three days when my car was broken down. I went to school back and forth in a Rolls Royce. That's a $500,000 car. Did y'all did catch the price tag on that? $500,000? My house does not cost $500,000. If you want to give me five hundred dollars for my house, $500,000, write me a check. You can have it today. All right? It is yours. Uh, so, <laughs> trust me. Huh? <laughs> I might take, I'll, I'll take four. Anybody for four? All right? <laughs> I'll take four. That's all right. I'll take three and 50. <laughs> That's all right, too. Ladies and gentlemen, he owns that, that Rolls Royce. In the bottom right, however, is a car I tried to drive like this because I'm 6'5". It's a Lambo, a Lamborghini. That, that, that picture I took. The, the, uh, the, the, no, I didn't. Not, no, I took one, but that's not it. But I drove the Lambo. Ladies and gentlemen, that car costs more than the Rolls. If he drove to church today in his Rolls Royce and you pulled into church today with a Rolls sitting out there, what would be the first impression you would have? Who is it, Portland General Baptist Church in a Rolls Royce? Who, who drives that car? Be honest, people. Be honest with yourself. Some of you have said, I wouldn't say anything. Uh-huh. Until it's sitting out there. Then you'd be going, look at that. If, if it was in the Walmart parking lot and you're walking by it and you see a Rolls Royce or a Lambo sitting there, what are you going to say? Uh, excuse me, look at this car. Most of us are going to be like, there's a car. Look at that car. I drove, the, I didn't drive, I rode to school in a Rolls Royce for three days back and forth. You didn't think I was sitting in luxury? Uh-huh. You don't hear any outside noise in that car, none. It's something. Now, I bring that up. Here's the problem. Should that make any difference in the way we treat somebody when they come into this building? If, if Ethan came to church here, I would hope you would not treat him any differently than the way you treat me or anybody else. I don't, you know, somebody who drives an old pickup truck that's rusted out should have the same treatment as Ethan if he drives up in his Rolls Royce. His, his car does not make him who he is. All right? if, you ever, if you ever met his family, they are a traditional Chinese family. They're, his kids are not spoiled. They absolutely are not spoiled. I bring this up because some people would want to treat him differently. Yeah, he has a beautiful car. It costs more than my house. He has, a he has two beautiful cars. His wife uh, his wife drives a caddy, and he also has a Range Rover. He uses the Range Rover as the transportation for his dogs because he doesn't want the dogs in the Rolls Royce. He bought a Range Rover to transport his dogs. Did you all get that? Think about that one for just a few minutes. Anyway, if you treat him any differently, if you were to love him any differently than the way you love anybody else, you're guilty of what's here. Uh, amen. Look at the descriptive language of the poor people. Literally the beggars, those who are in shabby clothes. Some people don't have very much. I taught a student a couple years ago. His family lived in a hotel. They gave him a special rate, excuse me, to live, to, to live in this hotel. We, he, they had to wear uniforms 
He wore the same uniform every day. Shirt was never washed. Over and over and over. Why? It wasn't because he wanted to. He didn't have another shirt that was uniform. And the school required uniforms. He didn't have another shirt. And he was living in a hotel. Ladies and gentlemen, he deserves the same kindness and attention and love as the person driving the Rolls Royce. It doesn't matter what the person's wearing or what the person owns or what the person possesses. It matters that we're showing the love of Jesus. Aren't you glad God did not just die for the rich people? And by the same token, so that Ethan has hope, Jesus didn't die for just the poor people either. He died for the whole world so that everyone can come to repentance and everyone can be saved. Now look at the description of the way that they were seated in the church. To the rich man, he was told, come and sit here, we have a special place for you. Whereas to the poor man, come sit at my feet or be my footstool. Uh, the past church I was in, uh, Salvation Army, it's one of the problems I have with the Army. I'm going to tell you about it. I had a real problem with some of the rank system. You know, officers have different ranks. Someone walks in who's a colonel. Ah, oh, here's the colonel. Colonel is here. Come up here, colonel. Someone walks in who's just a regular member of the church, a soldier. Uh, Y'all can sit back there. Soldiers over here, colonels come up here. But, you know, soldiers, wait a minute. Show me that in the Bible where some people should get special treatment over the others. I believe in giving honor to whom honor is due, but sometimes you can go way too far. Amen. You don't make a difference between the rich and the poor. You don't say to someone, here's a special seat for you because you're driving the Rolls Royce or you have the gold ring or you have the fancy clothes. But then he says to the poor man, come and sit at my feet. That is an insult. He's basically saying to the poor man, you are dirt. You're dirt. You're dirt level. You don't deserve a seat. Sit on the floor. That's what's, that's what's good enough for you. Sit on the floor. What? Did Jesus act that way? Was that the message Jesus had for the church? If you act that way, you ever act that way, you're not fulfilling the great commission God has given us to reach the world with the gospel of Jesus Christ. You don't differentiate between anybody. Someone who's black versus someone who's white. Someone who's rich versus someone who's poor. In fact, Colossians chapter 3, verses 11 and 12 reads this way. Here, there is no Greek or Jew. That means race doesn't matter. Circumcised or uncircumcised. Barbarian, Scythian, slave or free. But Christ is all as and is in all. Therefore, as God's chosen people, holy and dearly beloved. Aren't you wanting to be holy in the sight of God? Amen. Clothe yourselves with compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. Bear with each other and forgive as the Lord forgave you. And over these virtues put on love, which binds them all together in perfect unity. We are to be compassionate people. We are to be kind people. We are to be humble people. And most importantly, we are to be loving people. We love everyone all the time. It's a purposeful choice. Guess what? That means we even love the unlovable. 
It's called agape love. It's the way God shed His love for the whole world, even those who are unlovable. We're supposed to be the image of Christ. We're supposed to be the mirrors, the ambassadors of Christ. We're supposed to be shining forth His message. And that means we love even those who are called unlovable. That means we love the murderers. We love the rapists. We love the criminals. We love everybody because Jesus gave his life for them just like he gave his life for us. The indictment is simply we're guilty. We're guilty of not fulfilling this part of the Bible. We want to discriminate. We want to separate between rich and poor. We want to separate different classes. We want to separate different races. We want to say this is acceptable for this group, but not acceptable for this group. Verse 4. Have you not discriminated among yourselves and become judges with evil thoughts? That's, the, that's what we're guilty of. Every time we try to separate, every time we try to esteem one over another, James 2.8 says, keep the royal law found in Scripture. Love your neighbor as yourself. What, what, what does he mean by royal law? He's referring back to the teaching of Jesus, in which Jesus said, love God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. And then the second commandment is just as great as the first. Love your neighbor as yourself. I don't know about you, but I love me. I love me. I'm having surgery on Tuesday. I don't want to die. I mean, if the Lord calls me home, He calls me home, I'm ready to go, but I want to see grandchildren. I, I, I love me. I'm not going to lie about And Why not? Do you not love you? I love me. When I look in the mirror, I'm going, that's, that's nice. I love me. All right? You should love you. But the Bible also tells me to love my neighbor. That means all of you. The same way I love me. I'm not going to lie, sometimes that's hard. Because some people get on my nerve. But the Bible tells me to love you as much as... <laughs> that was for, Valerie knows there's a little story there. <laughs> Never mind. I, I got sidetracked. Anyway, I'm supposed to love you as much as I love me even when you're on my nerve. It's a love of choice. A love of choice. Romans 15, 7 says, Accept one another. Then just as Christ accepted you in order to bring praise to God. We, we said we want to see the Shekinah glory of God, right? At least a little bit of it. We want to bring praise to Him. Notice the standard of bring, bringing praise to Him. Accept one another. How much do we accept one another? Because some of you will say, I love them, but I don't like them. I love them, but I'm not going to say hello to them. Notice how much we are supposed to accept one another. We accept one another just as Christ accepted you. Now how many of you want Jesus to say, well, I love you, but I don't like you. You can just stay away from me. Some of you do not like that sermon, do you? Ah, uh, oh, there are some people, Brother Rich, you don't understand. I just don't like them. Accept one another as much as Jesus has accepted you. I've done some things he doesn't like. What if he ever said he didn't want to hang out with me? What if he ever said I can go my own way because, you know, I'm too much, I'm, I'm, I'm on his nerves too much. I get under his skin too much. I aggravate him too much. What if Jesus ever said that to me? How would I feel? How would you feel? Accept one another 
as Christ has accepted you. That's the biblical standard. In other words, this whole lie from Satan, I can love them, but I don't have to like them, it's a lie. You have to accept them. Even if it goes against everything in your being, it went everything against Jesus' being when he was hanging on a cross, which we put in the front of our church up here. He was hanging on a cross. He gave his all when you were on his last nerve. He gave his all when you were under his skin. He gave his all when you were aggravating him. He gave his all. Woo! I'm going to say amen to that even if you don't. That's, that, 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 that's just good preaching right there. James goes, on, James goes on to defend his statement, his rationale. He says, when you play favorites, number one, you dishonor those whom God has honored. If you give Ethan special treatment because of his Rolls Royce and his Lamborghini, and you ignore the person with the old beat-up truck, what are you doing? You're giving honor to someone that, now, you honor everyone. God has chosen the poor to be rich in faith, verse 5 says. You honor those who, got, who have actually dishonored God. Where have most of the problems come in? As far as the church world, it's come from those with means, those with material, those with wealth. We're not saying that rich people cannot get saved. In fact, we want them saved. But we are saying that a lot of times rich people put their trust in riches instead of putting their trust in the Lord. Amen? And that's why it's a little bit harder for someone with means, someone with wealth, someone with money to find the Lord Jesus Christ because they basically try to buy their way out of everything. And when the big surprise is coming when they find out they can't buy their way out of hell. They cannot buy their way into heaven. There's no such thing. The only way we ever make it to heaven is the blood of Jesus Christ. He paid the purchase price. And he said, I am the way, I am the truth, I am the life. He's the only way. You don't have enough money to pay your way into heaven. Even Ethan with his millions of dollars does not have enough money to pay his way into heaven. We will honor God by keeping the royal law. In other words, if we do not show mercy to everyone, why do we expect mercy to be shown to us? If we do not expect, you know, if we don't show mercy to everyone, rich and poor, black and white, whatever, to everyone, why do we expect mercy to be, to be apply, applied to us? Now, I don't know about you. By the way, that's my introduction. That's my introduction. My, my main points are pretty short, all right? That, all that's introduction. But here are my main points. The greatest hallmark of a church, to, and, and this is Brother Robert's personal opinion, the greatest hallmark of a church is the love that has for each other. You can have everything else. You can have a cathedral if you want. You can have beautiful music. You can have whatever. But to me, what makes a church a church is the love we have for each other. When I walk into a church, whether it's a big church or a small church, no matter what the church is, I want that church to love me, to care for me. I'm going to give an example. When I was in college, my roommate was an African-American, a black man. He's now a cardiologist. And he invited me to go to church with him. It was a black church. And I asked him the question. I said, George, would you tell me how many white people go to your church? He lied. He said, several. Uh-uh. I never saw anybody else there. 
He invited me to go to church with him. And so this church runs about two, two, three hundred people. He said, you ought to hear this choir. They can sing. So I went to church with him one, one Sunday morning. I was the only white person in the place. There wasn't a Hispanic. There wasn't, I don't even think there was a mixed race person. I was it. All black and me. When the pastor got up, he decided to welcome the visitor to the church. Did you hear the words, the visitor? All eyes in the church went to me. Because I was the only visitor and they all knew it was me. I, I was it. I leaned over to George and I, I joked with him and I said, you're going to hell. He said, what? I said, you need to pray. There are, there's nobody else here who's white. You're going to hell. You need to pray now. I'm, I'm joking with George. George is just laughing. That choir sang. Can I tell you that in my college years, I went to church there probably 20 times. I had my own church. I was faithful to my own church. But I visited that church about 20 times, especially when they had dinners and so on. And they always made it. <laughs> they, by the way, we're having soup after this. Uh, they always made it a special thing to invite Brother Rich to their service. They had me play and sing. I don't play and sing the way they do. I don't have that black feel to the music. I have stiff white person feel to music. I don't have that black feel to the music. And I tried. And George said, don't ever do that again. Just, just, just sing it your way. Don't ever try to emulate us because you're never going to get it. And I understood that. I understood it. I, why? Here, here's the reason why I told this story. Why did I visit that church about 20 times? They loved me. It didn't matter what color I was. It didn't matter that I was a poor college student. Do you know that every time I walked in that church, they hugged me. They embraced me. I never felt one person have any type of prejudice or discrimination against me at all. They loved me. They welcomed me. I was different. I was the white kid in a black church. I was, I was the different one. But they hugged me and they loved me. Ladies and gentlemen, that's what makes a church a church. I love that church. I really love that church because they loved me. Sometimes I didn't feel that much love in my home church at that time. Sometimes I'd walk in and my own church be a little uppity or whatever. But they loved me. I, this is just Brother Rich. I want Portland General Baptist to be the most loving church in this area. When people walk in those back doors, I want them to feel the love in this place that we love. How do we develop this loving church? Three things. My three points. All preachers have to have three points, I guess. So here they are. You ready? Number one, accept everybody. Accept everyone. Romans 15, 7 says, accept one another then, just as Christ accepted you in order to bring praise to God. Accept everyone. You don't turn people away. You don't turn people away. You may say, but Brother Roberts, this person's a sinner. Uh-huh. So was I. Aren't you all sinners? How many of you have committed a sin this week? Be honest. I'll put up two hands. How many of you have committed a sin? Yes. I did one yesterday. I had an argument with my wife. You all have never done that before, have you? No, just, just us. It's just Cynthia and me. We're the only ones to ever have a little loud word to each other. I did. And I wasn't too happy with her. We were, in fact, I said this in Sunday school. We were arguing over deodorant. 
98 cent deodorant. Yes, some of you laugh. It's okay. It's okay. It really is. And she's, she's probably still sleeping about it. So we're not going to talk about that very much. But we were, we were having a little, little discussion. Ladies and gentlemen, <laughs> sorry. I think you get the idea. We cannot let trivial things stop us from accepting people. We've got to love everyone all the time. By the way, I love her. She's my spouse, regardless of the, of the whole deodorant issue. I love her. She lo By the way, we both wear deodorant, if you're wondering. Uh, I love her, and she loves me. You get the idea? I accept her, and she accepts me. That's the way we have... Huh? I'm... I'm so are you. Anyway, <laughs> we're, we, we even forgive each other because we love each other. Ladies and gentlemen, that's the way we have to be in church. All the time we accept everyone. Number two, we appreciate the differences in everyone. The Bible says in 1 Corinthians 12, I want to just read 12 and 17. The body is a unit, though it is made up of many parts. And though all its parts are many, they form one body. Now you are the body of Christ, and each one of you is a part of it. We all have different gifts we all have different callings. We all have different talents. We all have different abilities. But we need to use our gifts, our talents, our abilities for the glory of the Lord all the time. I have a very public calling. I'm a preacher. I also play some music. Well, I try to play some music. So on. I have some things that God has gifted me with. But I can't be the church because there are things in the church I can't do. A lot of you have gifts and talents I don't have. Not at all. You, Brother Spanky here, he helps me with my car. Here's why. And some of you are going to laugh at me. When I open up the hood of a car, I say, hmm, it's an engine. That's about all I know. I don't know what else to do with it. If the car breaks down, i got to call State Farm or somebody because it's broken. And I, I know how to put gas in the car. I don't even change my oil. No, Babylon changes my oil. Why? I'm totally ignorant when it comes to that stuff. Carpentry, painting, electricity, especially electricity. They're going to do some, something in my heart with electricity on Tuesday. Someone volunteered to shock me earlier, er, er, earlier in Sunday school. <laughs> They're going to do some electrical stuff inside. There are things I don't know, abilities I don't have. Yeah, God called me to preach. God has allowed me to sing a little bit and play. But there are a lot of things I don't have the ability to do. I need uplifted in the abilities and gifts and callings that God's used for me. But I'm supposed to be uplifting you just as much. We're supposed to appreciate the difference. And number three, affirm everyone. Encourage one another and build each other up just as in fact you are doing. We're supposed to be building each other up, encouraging one another, helping each other. The other day, do you all remember that one day we had like three flakes of snow and it was 19 degrees outside? All right. Oh, God was teasing us with the three flakes of snow. Anyway, Brother Spanky, my caliber, I know what a caliber is now. My caliber on my back left of the car got stuck. Brake pads were grinding against the rotor. Now, I found out all this because of Brother Spanky. Because I don't know what a caliber and all that stuff is. I just know when I push the brake pedal, it stops. 
So anyway, Brother Spanky, and I'm giving a little praise here, he decided he was going to help me change this out. He did it in 19-degree weather with snowflakes coming down. And he's changing out the caliber, the rotor, the brake pads, and so on on my car. Now, here's the funny part. You ready? I was out there with him. Why is that the funny part? I did not know how to help him. I'm standing there, I got my coat on, I got my hood on, I got it tied up to here, I got my hands in gloves, in my pockets, thinking to myself, if he needs some help, I'm right here. He didn't ask for anything. He knows better. If he says, Rich, hand me this, I don't know what this is. Rich, can you do this? No, not really. I can roll the tire around if he wants me to, but that's just about it. I don't know what else to do. Uh, you know, I, beyond standing, I'm trying to be the moral encouragement. Go, Spanky. Yes, he can do this. I'm standing there. I'm the idiot. I don't know what to do. My hands are in my pockets, and I'm, I'm just standing there in 19-degree weather. He even says to me, you can go inside if you want. <laughs> he did. Now, here's the thing. I didn't feel right about going inside. Because if I go inside, I can't help him if he needs it. So what do I do? I stand out there. I'm trying to help. I can't help. I love Brother Spanky. God, do you all see what's going on here? He has an ability that God's given him. I don't have. We have to, now I'm just using him as an example because I know he doesn't care if I use him as an example. But, but I think you got the idea we help each other. We affirm each other. We build each other up. We don't tear each other down. We never tear each other down. Even if someone gets on your nerves, you build them up. Even if someone gets under your skin, you build them up. Our calling is to build people up. When people come in that back door, the one thing that this church member wants to hear, I want to hear them say, this is a loving church, a great church. Just like the Apostle John remarked in the Bible, see how they love one another. Jesus re-edified that by saying this, By all this shall men know that you are my disciples, that you love one another. Did you get that? People will know that we are truly Christians because they feel the love we have one for another. If we're not loving each other, then are we truly showing, us, showing ourselves off as disciples of Jesus Christ. If we allow bickering, backbiting, jealousies, hatred, envies, strifes to come within this body, how are we truly reflecting Jesus Christ? So, my last slide up here. How do I show indiscriminate love? How do I show love that is not respecting of any person any place that we just love everyone. How do I love the unlovable? How do I love the person on my nerve? How do I, and not just love them, but I mean truly love them. Y'all get the idea? Not love and mouth service, but true love. How do I do this? Verse number eight of chapter two. Keep the royal law found in scripture. Love your neighbor as yourself. When I go home, let me, let me tell you my plan for the afternoon. Are you ready? I'm going to leave here, my wife and I, we're going to grab something to eat. Probably some soup. Some soup. We're going to have some soup. 
And oh, we have dessert. Really? There's dessert over there. Uh, we got soup and dessert. I'm going to go for dessert and soup. But we have soup and dessert over there. We're going to have something to eat. My wife and I are probably going to chill out some today. Just, shh. We're going to chill out some today. Now, why, why did I get into all that? What I'm not going to do today is I'm not going to sit and meditate on issues and problems and troubles and trials and tests. You know why? I've been in the presence of the Lord here today. And I'm making a conscious choice that if there's somebody on my nerve or someone under my skin, I'm going to love them anyway. I'm not going to let it get inside my heart and cause a poison to stir. I am determined to love everyone all the time. Love because I love me. And I'm going to go over there, I'm going to love me enough to eat that soup, I'm going to love me enough to take that dessert, I'm going to love me enough to go home and chill out, and I want to treat everybody else the same way. Y'all got the message? Amen and amen. I'm going to ask Brother Rory and Sister Christy if they'd come. I'm going to ask everybody to stand. We're going to do something a little different for our altar time today. As Baptists, we're pretty good at giving right hand of fellowship, shaking people's hands and so on. But I want you to do something for our altar time today, a little different than our normal. We're going to play, we're going to sing. But as we're playing and singing, I'm asking you to do this. I'm asking you to find three people in this church, not your family. Did you get that, not your family? I want you to find three people in the church, I want you to hug their necks, and I want you to tell them one reason why you love them. Can you do that? Can you find three people in this church and tell them one reason why you love them? Say, Brother Roberts, I'm not comfortable with that. That's good. Get out of your comfort zone. I want you to find three people in the church. Tell them why you love them. Let's go. Let's start fellowshipping now. Find three people. Tell them why you love them.